it was a valuable lesson to me, um, especially because I'm someone who strives to get what I want, right? I like that feeling of winning. And, and you know, I also realized during that time, I was being watched. I was on stage, right? Uh, my actions set the tone and impacted others. <laughs> My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Your energy is contagious for your team. So the question is today, what kind of energy are you bringing to your people and your organization? That is part of the discussion I have today with my friend, Amy Silva Megales. As we talk about her career in senior living, the importance of bringing that energy, but also balancing emotional intelligence in your role as a leader. And then most importantly, how are you investing the time to connect and develop trust with the people in your care. We talk about Amy in her first year in this new role after having an incredibly successful career in the senior living space and how just her approach to life, this competitive attitude she learned in sports growing up as we talk about, has bled over to the success she has had in life and overcoming obstacles such as transitions, such as dealing with imposter syndrome, dealing with early success and not allowing it to hurt for her to become complacent. So ton of great insights in today's conversation. I'm incredibly excited you're here and you're gonna get to meet Amy. And before we bring her on, I just wanna tell you how grateful I am that you're here. If you're new to the podcast, I wanna encourage you to head over to thecompetitormindset.com to learn a little bit more about the show and ways you can get connected with other ambitious leaders looking to get better results for themselves and their team. So head on over to thecompetitormindset.com, learn more, get plugged in, but more importantly, sit back, relax, and get ready to meet my friend, Amy Silva Megales. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jake. How are you? I'm good. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation since we got connected at the end of last year. Uh, you having followed me a little bit longer, and so I've, I've gotten to know you a little bit behind the curve, but I want to kick it off with just an easy question. And we talked briefly at your team event back in February around how sports had an influence on your life. And so tell me one of your first memories, uh, good memories of playing sports and what did you play growing up? Oh my goodness, Jake. I I'm like an athlete, you know, to the core, uh, you know, as a kid, sports consume my life. Um, softball, basketball were my sports of choice, but I'll tell you, you could not find me anywhere without a basketball in my hands. Uh, it really was my passion and I, I knew no boundaries. Um, I, you know, I like to think I, was the first one on the court and truly the last one off the court. So it, um, you know, my coaches will often say to me that just my competitive spirit was, was contagious, right? It was fire. And I just, 
I wanted to be better. And, you know, it, it sometimes got the best of me too. I have, I have to admit, uh, I was, I was known sometimes for storming off the court and kicking the bleachers and certainly had to pay the price, uh, <laughs> the next day at practice. Um, but you know, I, basketball was truly my, my, my drug, if you will. Um, and it's something that I took a lot of passion and I, and it really helped me become uh, resilient as, as a leader. Yeah, I'm curious about, we're very similar and I probably haven't talked a whole lot about it uh, as much on the show, but like temper for me was a big one growing up, uh, especially losing, hated, hated lose. So that kicking the bleachers and stuff more than one occasion, uh, mom or dad had some words with me after a game and it was tough for me even getting older uh, because I was so wrapped up in sports that if I lost, like I hated it because of not only the losing, but like me. And like where that was as like a dig on me. And I know we talked a little bit about that with you. How have you kind of grown, I would say grown out of it as we do with kids, but still have that competitive fire that is just very apparent in every one of our conversations? Yeah, you know, it was a valuable lesson to me, um, especially because I'm someone who strives to get what I want, right? I like that feeling of winning. And, and you know, I also realized during that time, I was being watched. I was on stage, right? Uh, my actions set the tone and impacted others, right? If if I was the one who I thought in my head was the superstar on the court and I was coming off the court kicking the bleachers, well, what was what tone was that going to set for the rest of my teammates? The same is applicable with my team, right? That's what true leadership is all about, showing up even on the days when you don't feel like it and being the best version of yourself to really help the team win, right? It's those those failures and those losses, Jake, they actually helped me come back even stronger for the next game. That's So one of the things I find always fascinating on my experience and, and with a lot of athletes, when we talk about like sports and playing sports, you know, like physically, here's what I need to do. I need to work on my jump shot. I need to work on free throws when I'm tired. I need to work on my physical capacity, expanding it, strength, all of this. Like we have very clear targets in mm-hmm. business, especially as a leader, like we have goals and objectives for the organization, but we're dealing with a lot of people too. And there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot harder dealing with people and helping people than it is say, okay, I gotta, I gotta fix this jump shot and I gotta get stronger here because it's all on me. And a lot of us struggle, especially being competitive, getting out of the performer into the leader mindset, into that coach mindset. So take me back a little bit in your career, because you've been in kind of the senior living space for years. And I'm curious throughout your careers, you developed how you've been able to pivot so successfully really to that coach leader developer of people when you grew up as the performer. Yeah, you know, that's a great point because all of a sudden it went from, you know, developing myself to now working and leading and developing through others, right? Because I'm I'm the doer where all of a sudden I had to be the strategic one. Um, you know, Jake, I take immense pride in developing and leading my team, right? And every day, you know, I want them to have that passion as well. And it requires patience. Um, vision, right? And inspiration, right? You, you got to be vulnerable as a leader, but you also got to sometimes be the one who's going to make the quick decisions um, and really set the expectations, right? As a coach, here's the playbook, learn the plays, run the plays. Do you have, you know, any insight in what you want to add to why this play is going to be more successful? 
the same is applicable when it comes to our business performance at work. Um, taking a hard look in the mirror too. Um, I think there's a lot of not only the tangible things when it comes to work, but you know, also knowing when you leverage your soft skills, right? Uh, the most instrumental people in my life, aside from my parents, have been my coaches. And my job is to want to be the best coach I can in the workplace. And, and I'll tell you, I'm Swiss cheese sometimes. You know, my team has no problem giving me that 360 feedback. Um, and again, it, it helps me uh, be a better coach for them. I love that. Okay, so uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about your team because you joined really Ultimate Care Assisted Living at the end of last year. You hit the ground running, as I think we talked about in February. Sometimes stepping into a new organization, especially when you're coming in as one of those C-suite type roles, is hard to gain trust and buy-in and build that influence, especially when you have a large team spread out. Talk to me about some of your mentality coming into this team so that you could essentially be that Swiss cheese. You could have those authentic, vulnerable conversations that a lot of times we don't have because we A, don't know the people, we don't trust the people um, mm. and haven't built the relationships with them or we've let our ego kind of lead us. And that's something with you that I've always found really fascinating is watching the dynamics of how your people interact with you. Yeah. And to your point around the Swiss cheese. So I'm curious how you did that and, and your approach coming into it. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because my inner critic, um, you know, certainly said, can you do this? And will you be successful at it? Um, and then my competitive spirit said, of course you can, but how are you going to do it? And I have to admit, um, leading does come naturally to me. Um, maybe it's because I grew up with a big family and I was the youngest of a very loud uh, Portuguese household. Or was it that I was always in some type of, you know, team capacity and I always wanted to stand out as a leader. Um, but I'll tell you in my transition here, um, you know, experience is important, Jake. Um, but my soft skills, again, I think were more important where I had to do a lot of listening. I had to get to know my team. I had to get to know what approach to take with them um, and what their skill set was and, and make sure I capitalize on that and have them in the right seat where they could drive business results. I had to build trust. I had to personalize, right? I had to know what motivates them, whether it's their children, their family, money. Um, and it took a lot of patience and a lot of listening. And I got there. Um, I feel like I've I've been here all my life. And, and again, having that constructive feedback and that openness um, and being able to be approached, I think is also critically important. Um, you know, they had to know that I, I was here to lead, right? And I was going to lead by example. And, you know, we had to hit the reset button and review the playbook. And here we are starting again. Yeah. Talk, talk to me how you uh, just some of the things you did to get that buy-in, because especially when you come into an organization and you're hitting a reset button, there's a lot of change. And everybody's always defensive with a new leader, right? And then you have a new leader that's changing some things. And we get even more defensive because we're scared about our job. We're, we don't know what to expect, all of this. What are some of the actionable things that you did as a leader to make sure you were connecting with people and having those conversations? Yeah, I, you know, I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one rap sessions. Um, I had touch points. I celebrated little victories, right? Every victory. I wanted to make sure I showcased the people that were instrumental in getting us there. Um, those accomplishments really helped foster 
a positive atmosphere, right? Again, it goes back to that, who has a fire in their belly and who wants to win? And, you know, when you celebrate those little victories, eventually they become a large victory. And, 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 and everyone gets that feeling of I'm contributing. I feel inclusion. Um, I'm also the type of leader where, you know, you say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, I want people to be in the know. I want to educate them. I want them to know that they're a part of the bigger the bigger goal and, and picture here. And I will tell you, having that buy-in and having that inclusion and them knowing they had a seat at the table immediately built trust and rapport. And once you have that, I was able to really, again, capitalize. Um, some tough conversations too. Let me not let me not sugarcoat this at all. Um, you know, and when I when I played pretty crappy as an athlete, my coach was the first one to pull me off the court, right? And and, yep. and call yep. me out for my failures. My job is to do the same thing here. When someone wasn't performing, or when they should have made a better decision, or they could have taken a different approach, or maybe they said something that was not the right thing to say. Had that courageous dialogue with them too. And I think that is appreciated by someone because people don't want to fail. They want to be successful. So again, I think as, as a leader, um, you have to be patient. You got to do a lot of that listening, but you need to be confident in delivering that courageous dialogue too. I love that. I love that. Cause yeah, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You got to have tough mm -hmm. conversations, but the more you've built a relationship on the front end, the better and more well-received those conversations are on the back end. You obviously, you know, we're coming up now, it's August, you're coming up on your one year with the team. How do you make sure that, you know, when you came out of the gate, you were building relationships, you were meeting with people, you were building that rapport, but sometimes in large organizations, once we get into the flow in summer and fall, there's, we have all these other activities because it's not like your job is just to meet with everybody, get to know them, coach them up. Like you have your own responsibilities and strategic direction. How do you make sure that you're still going back through and just even touch points with people? Do you have recurring one-on-ones uh, or does it kind of once a quarter, hey, I want to check in with these communities or how do you make sure that nobody gets forgotten is the best way to put it? Yeah, well, I have an assistant who manages my calendar really well, Noah. <laughs> um, you know, in fairness, I do have a regular cadence, um, especially with my uh, senior leadership team. But coming in, one of the first things I did that that was a major initiative is a realignment of the organization. And with that realignment, I made sure that I had the bandwidth to be able to touch the people that were driving the business results. So there are some folks that I'm touching um, weekly, uh, a regular cadence. I have some other folks that it's monthly, and then I am in the field with the frontline on a monthly basis as well. Um, I do make sure that I'm front and center with whether it's resident focused or it's our team member focus, where I never want to lose sight of the core of our business, which is our team members as well as our residents. Um, it also gives me an escape at times um, because there are times where, you know, it's redundant and KPIs and what we need to deliver and what we need to hit on. And it can be dry, right? It can be dry. So that's something that fuels my fire going back into the field. Um, and people want to hear my vision. So, you know, there's a lot of structure behind it. Um, as you could imagine, I will tell you, I I have high energy um, to, to a fault. Um, my bandwidth, I, I laugh because uh, it's certainly, um, I would say, off the charts at times. Um, but again, I go back to, to my team, Jake, where 
you know, I measure my success by the, the success of those around me. And, you know, it becomes contagious when they start seeing me with this high energy and these deliverables and all these initiatives, you know, sometimes they're going to pull me back, um, but they execute on it. So it's, um, it's something I'm, I'm really, really proud of. But as you said, you know, in the beginning, it was the road show getting to know everybody and then accountability started kicking in. And what are your, what are you doing to be able to achieve, you know, these metrics? And, and again, it's a little bit of a push and pull every single day. Um, and there's sometimes as, as a leader, you may embellish things for effect, right? Um, and there may be times that, you know, I need to really be a listening ear to help someone get through, you know, maybe a, a difficult decision or a, a difficult day that they may have had. Yeah, that was actually where I wanted to go because you do have this really high energy. And the one thing I love is energy is contagious, positive energy, especially that from a leadership position. I think we did an episode last month around just like going to restaurants and places like people that love their job and have a great energy. Like you want to go back just because of them. And it's very infectious when you've got the people at the top that have that energy and can deliver it in their people. But part of the work y'all do in the senior living space is toward the end of lives. And that's from an emotional standpoint, takes a toll, has to take a toll on your staff. And so I'm curious how you as a leader navigate some of those spaces for your communities, knowing that you have residents there for years and eventually they, they do pass. And managing that is a, it's almost a constant grieving process in a lot of senses for teams. And so how do you balance infusing them with that positive energy, the encouragement, while at the same time creating that space to grieve? Because I think that's something that I gather just having the conversations with your team in February, even though it was still very early on, they were very receptive to your energy and what you were bringing and seemed excited around it but also knowing and not me understanding kind of the nature of the business. So I'm just kind of interested on your end because I know we have leaders in healthcare and some other industries as well that have that similar energy as you, but in some of the day-to-day -day dealings, like emotionally, it takes a toll on their teams. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of emotional intelligence, as you could imagine. And there are times um, you know, my teams are, are grieving on a consistent basis. You know, our average length of stay of a resident can be over two years and we become family. Um, I will tell you my, my recommendation and my advice. And I, and I say this to my, to my team, join them in that moment, join that journey in that moment, right? That's why you are a, a caregiver and that's why you're in this industry. That's why I'm in this industry. And, and, and Jake, I will tell you, I still have residents in every building I've ever operated throughout my career that I still refer to, and I still connect with their family. Their family members are still a part of my life, including my attorney. I took care of his dad when I was a very young executive. You know, so you make these lifelong relationships. Um, you know, our business is, you know, real estate, hospitality, and care. And when you combine all of those with a caregiver in our setting, you know, we really become that extended family. And again, you have to just be in the moment. You have to have good emotional intelligence. You know, we go to a number of services, we host services, and I'll tell you, the family members always come back to us and say, we don't know what we would have done uh, without your team and without your services. Um, it's something that it's always a tightrope to balance, um, but you got to grieve and go through the process. Uh, we are we are a business, um, but there's there's more good in what we're doing and uh, extending people's lives and their quality of life um, than there is vice versa. 
Yeah, no, and and that it goes back to really the core from the leadership standpoint of how do we we put the focus on you, and even to the sense of going to services and being with the family, it's very easy in those moments to focus on how you feel and maybe your own loss without taking into account the family and everybody that's involved with it. And so I love hearing that. I'm just curious, how did you get into this industry? Because you've been in it for years. And I'm curious, what was kind of the initial inspiration? Because it really sounds like it's still there and fires you up every day. (laughs) You know, I was 24 years old as an executive of of a memory care community. And Jake, I'm not kidding when I tell you, I didn't even know what dementia was. Um, And here I was taking over a community that was all memory care. I, you know, I was poached. Um, I was in the hospitality industry before joining this industry. 20 years later, I will tell you that I said, you know, I'm going to just fake it till I make it. Um, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to learn. I'm going to educate myself and I'm going to use my skills that I do have you know, in this environment to make sure that I'm successful. And I'll tell you, it was uh, those that sometimes doubted me, um, what which fueled me where I said, I'm going to learn this industry. It was those that cheered me on that I said, I know I could keep doing it. Um, and really great mentors along the way. And, and there were residents and family members um, that impacted me to stay in this industry. But the real truth is I was successful at doing it. I, as I was 24 years old, I won awards uh, for best financial performance, strongest occupancy, um, highest fundraising efforts. I mean, I was, I was on, I felt like I was on cloud nine and I said, I could you ever struggle with imposter syndrome, especially in that early fake it till you make it all the time. (laughs) How did you, You how did you deal with that? Cause I, I hear that from leaders all the time, stepping into a new role or getting promoted to what they think is quote out of their league at that point. And they're just like overwhelmed with it. Yeah, I had to stop doubting myself. But I'll tell you, when I did have some of that doubt, it also kept my ego in check, right? And I think that's a little bit of a tight rope where, you know, I was humble enough where I managed my ego, but my inner critic and the imposter syndrome told me, well, you don't know everything, so continue to get better. And, and same was applicable on the basketball court for me. You know, when I was the one that was taking that game-winning shot and I missed it, the next game, I was afraid I was going to miss it again. And, you know, it's the same type of mindset. So I will tell you that I worked through that. There's some days that, you know, I still may doubt myself on things, um, but then I dig deep and and I look at where were my failures in the past and where were my successes and how do I capitalize on that? Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, Amy, this has been fantastic. As we start to wrap up today, I'm curious for one piece of advice, new leaders that are new to an organization or industry first month on the job, what is one piece of advice or two that you would give them that would help set them up for success? Oh, I love that question, Jake. You know, I would tell you to lean in. I would tell you to lean in. I would tell you to certainly listen, leverage your soft skills to the best of your ability and, and don't be afraid to make a bad decision. Don't be afraid to miss the game winning shot, right? Because you're going to. And I think as a leader, it's okay for them to see you fail. It's how you recover. Love it. I love it. The importance of the bounce back. And I also say that is beautiful from painting the model and example that we don't need our people to be perfect, but more resilient and constantly growing and improving, which is 
sometimes they have the fear of one mistake and that's it versus, hey, we need you to grow and improve. And sometimes that's getting out of your comfort zone. And sometimes mistakes happen. We miss those shots, but it's going back and shooting again. Yeah, so true. So true. Love it. Love it. Well, Amy, we've got links to your LinkedIn page on here, which I know you are active on as well as your team so they can better get to know you and all the things you're doing at Ultimate Care Assisted Living Management and and the communities you have. And obviously, uh, for those listening that are Northeast and have families that are kind of upping in age, uh, just based on the energy alone of Amy, you can imagine what her team is like and what the Mm -hmm. communities and environments are like. So highly recommend checking them out. But Amy, truly appreciative for investing the time to come on the show this week. Thanks, Jake. It was such a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.